Oh, hi, Orla. Oh, hi, Ricardo. Wait, wait, this is a weird way to start it. Uh, <laughs> hi, oh. I'm Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> hi, I'm Orla Martinez. And welcome to the Recommendation Game, a Film of the Week podcast, or bi-weekly, are we now? We are bi-weekly still, yes. A bi-weekly podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. Uh, we watch it separately in different continents mm. and then Skype each other to discuss it. Uh, you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. We social distanced ourselves before it was yeah. cool. <laughs> Professionally. Uh, so what are we uh, talking about this week? Oh yes, uh, <laughs> talking about the death of capitalism, uh, we watch Parasite. <laughs> Directed by Bong Joon-ho. Produced by Kwak Sine, Moon Yang No, Bong Yok Chao, and Yang Yong Kwan. Screenplay by Bong Joon Ho and Han Jin Won. Story by Bong Joon Ho, starring Song Kang Ho, Lee Su Kyung, Cho Yong Jung, Choi Woo Shik, Park So Dam, Lee Yung Yung, Yang Hai Jin. Music by Yung Ya Il. Cinematographer by Hong Kyung Pyo. Edited by Yang Jimmo. Very, what did I do? very well done. I was thinking about that earlier as I go. Sorry, but you know, I've done plenty of difficult ones, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. So, Orla, why did you pick Parasite? Um, well, I thought we don't often jump on bandwagons, uh, and I thought, <laughs> why not start now? Uh, loyal listeners will uh, know that this is not our first director bong movie. Uh, all the way back in episode 51, um, all the way back in November 13th, 2017. Um, oh, which was Snowpiercer, right? It was Snowpiercer, yes. Listening back to that episode, there's one thing that you said about Snowpiercer, is that every time you watch it, you get something new from the film. So I think maybe you'd watched it like four times or something. Um, I think after watching Parasite like for the third time, I can probably say the same thing, but it's a very rich film. There's a lot going on. Lots of layers hidden beneath a very, in some senses, blunt uh, <laughs> allegory. Is it okay we do? Very hard to talk about this movie without talking about the like mania around it um which is interesting because it was it was one of those real like like sustained mania as well because i remember when i was volunteering at tiff um (laughs) my few claims to fame um which this movie did not win the people's choice award no jojo rabbit did yeah that's how you knew without you know the things that (laughs) things were about to change or (laughs) the storm clouds were coming um I think it was between uh, Parasite and Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit clenched it in the end, which is funny because I remember Parasite was all anybody talked about at the time. Like those screenings were packed out. People were very excited about it. Um, But just to see that, because that was September, to see that only grow and then eventually end up in the Oscar win. Obviously, everything Oscar has to be taken with a pinch of salt, which is fine. But I have to say, setting up and watching the Oscars live watching him win was like and the oscar goes to parasite 
just it was like wow what parallel universe have we walked into like a movie that has an awful lot of public urination in it i thought that was quite impressive <laughs> but um yeah, it's funny, uh, when I was looking this up the other day, uh, I think it was probably last weekend when I was writing my notes and stuff and we couldn't record because I had no internet. Fuck you, Rogers. Everything they say about internet in Canada is true. Um, but when I was looking it up, the amount of um, articles on Ramdom, the dish that they cook, which isn't actually a real, it's it's invented, the name is invented for um, uh, for the movie, but the actual mix I think of noodles, I think, is is an actual dish, but um, I saw an article about how Ramdom is uh, the perfect quarantine dish because it's like, you know, cupboard staples or whatever. It was like, Jesus, this is the word we live in. But um, capitalism. Uh, oh, also, did you hear, I'm assuming you did, that they're going to make an American remake uh, oh, Jesus. with Mark Ruffalo in it. Mark Ruffalo is involved somehow, which I don't understand. Uh, have you seen uh, any other films besides uh, Parasite and no, Snowpiercer? No, but I definitely want to. Um, obviously, even more so now. I feel like I gave Snowpiercer a bit of a hard time. Um, yeah, you definitely did. I yeah, uh, remember that you you were perhaps not entirely harsh on it, but mm, that uh, perhaps you, you didn't fully embrace yeah, yeah, because that when I listened back, the the words I used were, "I like this, but I didn't love it." <laughs> I was like, "Shut up, Orla!" But um, it's a movie that just sticks in your craw. Like it's mm-hmm. a, the kind of movie that you go in and for some reason, perhaps you, because it's so eclectic, you don't really uh, open yourself to enjoy it as much because you're just mm-hmm. trying to hang on to it. And the second and third time that you watch it, it's kind of like I know mm-hmm. where it's going, so. You can just watch into the detail. Mm, yes, and detail is something that he definitely revels in. Um, I guess all this sort of like um, intro is leading to the question of if you think that all this fuss is worth it um, over this film um, and that did people jump on the bandwagon, especially when you think of things like the Oscars and, you know, oh, this will be the year that we picked the Asian film, you know, or... Is it just that we finally, he's grown as a director and, you know, oh, actually, sorry, I thought Okja. forgot about Okja. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, which is a weird movie. Um, obviously more, it's it's his Netflix foray. <laughs> I'll yeah. put it like that. I mean, enjoyable, like, and obviously full of very similar themes. I, I obviously, I picked it. So, yes, I think this is an excellent movie. Um, very much stood up on the second and third watch as well. Like, it's... It's funny because I didn't watch it for ages. Um, like I didn't watch this until I came back after Christmas, I think. And when I finally put it on, I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I wish that I'd watched it at home with my family. But what was great about it and the way that I, 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 I almost can't knock a film that's, you know, in a foreign language as strange and dark and socially critiquing as this is and yet manages to get to Bonkrana Cinema, which is, I don't know if I've spoken on the podcast before about Bonkrana Cinema, but it is a tiny one screen over a hundred year old building where they've become more adventurous with the movies they pick, but obviously they're still more likely to pick, you know, the blockbusters. The, yeah, exactly. And the, no, no harm to them because they're independent. They're, you know, very much a big part of the community. They have bingo there as well. It's a beautiful building as well. For years, they uh, were renowned for having um, double seats for couples, <laughs> which I always thought was quite cute. It was like a little sofa. But um, I think any movie that manages to have 
such a reach that, you know, my dad is getting his friends and work to go and them loving it as well. Like that, I haven't, I haven't met someone yet who's watched it and didn't like it. that kind of leads me to um, another question that I have for you whether or not you liked it or thought that it kind of rose up to the level of the praise that it's getting is um, is there something about our time now of why this film in particular of his films or films like this of these themes why now this film became so big so you know it's a riot it's enjoyable it's you know it's very funny it's dark it's so many of the themes that he's tackled before but in, in my opinion in a more complete way in this I feel I feel like this is a more complete movie than maybe something like Snowpiercer is and his ideas of what he's like saying about like society and particularly society in Korea but um yeah so <laughs> I'm happy enough to jump on the bandwagon uh Ricardo were you happy to jump on the bandwagon of Parasite well, first of all, like I think the uh, for the question that you asked me about the bandwagon, uh, I've been a fan of his for quite a while. So for me, any new film that comes mm. out of his, it's already something that I have quite a um, high bar that I want the film to clear, I'd say. So it's... Uh, it's not one of these films that sometimes it can't happen that because the entire world loves it. Mm. You're just waiting to be blown away by it, but you're not. But at the same time, I already had that even before the whole uh, bandwagon, as you called it, started gathering steam because mm -hmm. I like his films quite a lot. Uh, I like all his collaborations with uh, actor song. Um, oh god so good uh, he's done the host he did snowpiercer he did parasite and he also uh did uh, memories of a murder which is mm. i think an amazing film that you particularly enjoy it's clearly a huge inspiration for david fincher in particular for zodiac um Ooh. Ooh, okay. uh, but again yeah, it's one of those things that only Bong Joon-ho can do that it's uh, uh, an ensemble movie about a serial killer but it's also a comedy uh, and it's very strange um, I love him so much Felipe my brother who's friend of the pod uh, repeat yeah. offender uh, uh, didn't really like it the first time because he really was not expecting a comedy uh, Memories of a Murder yeah Oh, but like it, it's not exactly a comedy, but there's very comedic moments in it because mm. it's a satire. Like most of uh, what Bong Joon Ho does, it has uh, undercurrents of hilarity, but also uh, quite sharp teeth to them. So m most of them always either pointed at society of or government, which is also why I really like him as a director. So when it came to this, there was already like a a, a large uh, expectation from me to to what I would like about the movie, mm -hmm. and um, I think that the the uh, the way that I probably can describe the best about how I felt about the movie is 
do you know the YouTube channel Binging with Babish? I do, yes. He also made Ram Dom, didn't he? <laughs> yes, and uh, he describes of why that is such a particular moment in the movie because the stake that they use in the movie it's clearly a very very expensive piece of meat Mm -hmm. while the whole actual construction of the dish the two noodles would have cost maybe a dollar for it yeah and it's almost like you can't give just a meal that cost a dollar to your son because you're bourgeoisie (laughs) so you have to like put a 60 euro piece of meat on top of it for absolutely no reason and like anything in this movie is just a metaphor on top of a metaphor on top of a metaphor it's a very dense movie and i can't wait to to watch it again and again oh Um, it only gives it only keeps giving it's great uh, i i am quite happy also that of all the foreign language movies to be either nominated for an oscar or that has been around that this was the movie that was given the honor let's say Mm. because it's both showcases the difference to international cinema than american cinema but also it's quite pleasing enough to be able to gather a large audience. So it's a mm. good, um, see, like if something like Life is Beautiful had won the Oscar, it would have been like a huge disappointment because it is, for one, an Americanized movie. Mm-hmm. And also it's a movie that doesn't really uh, reflect the uh, cinematic ecosystem that it was made in while mm-hmm. parasite benefits from all those things so it uh, it gives a it shines a light on this different mode of filmmaking that clearly hasn't been popular in america and other countries so you can only hope that after all this madness with covid 19 goes away the um foreign language movies will have a bigger impact because even in countries like ireland and the uk because of its proximity to europe there is a a a more likely um, chance that people will look past the subtitle barrier and go into to watch it like uh, for the population levels like ireland and the uk have quite a high level art house cinemas etc mm-hmm. while like in the united states you'll have maybe 40 big cities yeah kinda, yeah so <clears throat> especially for big enough ones to to show more i hope the uh cinemas will start taking up punto movies that before the bandwagon gets going let's say that you can grab on to these bigger releases but also uh just look for films that interest you as a programmer or something but as a movie i i i really really enjoyed it um obviously it's been a, a couple of weeks since i saw it so uh, the the emotional impact of it has died down in a way but at the same time it's given me time to like sit and stew with it Mm-hmm. and uh, create a, a more thoughtful approach to this conversation. Um, I think that the most, the thing that I liked the most in the movie, uh, besides how it really uh, 
puts in the front and center of itself the fact that it is a metaphor and everything is a metaphor in the movie and it doesn't shy away from it. Uh, I think it's one of those undercurrents that sometimes work, like when a movie calls out a bad joke that it's just made, that mm -hmm. is very rare that it works. But if it works, <laughs> it's like genius because how do you get away with it? So I think that... Uh, to begin with, Parasite gets away with it, which yeah. is uh, any movie that gets away with it means that everything else that is built around it uh, lives up to the reason that that's being included in the movie. But the thing that I was mentioning that I particularly liked in the movie, especially because of how it deals with its message to about capitalism and society, is the fact that the family is actually skillful enough to hold those jobs. That it's literally the lack of the documentation to prove that they are qualified to do these roles, the reason that they have to actually lie and create subterfuge to get in there. Like the father uh, is a remarkable driver mm -hmm. and actually a good driver, both in the sense of physically driving, but how to communicate with your client. That is um, the whole relationship element of it as well. Precisely. And then you have the mothers. So they're stealing, quote unquote, because they're lying about who they are, but they're actually earning money for jobs that they're actually performing and uh, quite successfully, uh, even though it might not have a basis for anything else. Like the way that, uh, especially the way that the sister does the teaching, the art teaching. Oh, so good. But the kid becomes less uh, frantic, becomes less uh, mental and is able to focus on the art and is precisely what she got hired to. <laughs> To, to do and um, similarly the 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 older brother the is the the guy that gets the foot in the door mm -hmm. is similarly a good teacher even though very morally reprehensible mm -hmm. in, way. <laughs> uh, in many ways uh, you could say uh, reading her diary <laughs> yes uh, well like i think that it's more than anything that she's completely underage uh, he's the well yes that also <laughs> he's the the second not only the first he's the yes. second statutory fucking rapist that the movie portrays um but at the same time it's like it's a movie that criticizes him for it i think mm. it's a particularly great as a movie because nobody uh, is uh, spared let's say like yeah. uh, he just machine guns all of society <laughs> because at the same time even though there are barriers the kim family don't exactly use the skills that they have until they can lie and cheat to get them yeah like Kim could have gone and like Father Kim could have gone and tried to become a driver <laughs> somewhere again. Yeah, even you can tell like when they go through their past as well. It's like, oh no, that was before this. That was before the cake shop and before this. It's like they've just been like jumping from one to one. It's like it's like they were wronged at some point in the past and then like you know had to leave. It's like no, they've been doing this for a while. But also, it's a uh, 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 how a family that is such 
hard working and grafting, it's still not able to make it live above ground. Mm. Even uh, I think that most important of money. Yes. And Mm. I I, I like the how it's not that the rich people in the movie aren't villains either. Like they're they're parts of their approach and personalities that me as a person would despise of them as people, let's say, if I met them personally. But at the same time, they're not inherently evil or mean, perhaps. Mm. Is the, their the cloud way... of ignorance is quite spectacularly done, yes. I think, of just not understanding things, of what they're doing is, like, so fucked up. And I, I, I do particularly like that the 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 actual thing that goes past the barriers is the sense of pride and it's the thing of the smell that like there is something there about like rich and poor smell and i know that Mm. it's not it's not particularly the person or whatever it's just the products that you use the way that they describe how all their clothes smell the same way that the kid picks it up and it's that like amazing detail that then they start like using each person using a different (laughs) soap but you know there's just because everybody on that level starts using similar products then you as a person start associating everybody the same way it's the same as like brands or whatever that Mm. you go in it's like you see somebody wearing gucci you go okay they have a bit of money but then you see somebody using the the joke in Eastern Europe that is like Abibas, that is like oh, the, the yeah. knockoff of Adidas, <laughs> yes. and you know that their economical situation is by a glance, and in this case, is by smell, and it's also something interesting that is one of those things that a movie has to tell you. You can't show, mm. so it's very as specific. As soon as you hear it, as soon as you hear it, you get you. Oh, it's like I know that. You know, it's like you, like the, the idea of being able to like make you remember smells you yeah. know just by saying it's like yeah and i think that in a way it's kind of hinted also that that guy is also come from a poor background that he is now because i mm. think it's more his problem with the smells even though uh nowhere else in the movie it's alluded to i just that was my take on the character was that his mm-hmm. sense his issue with the, that particular smell is that it's the smell that he used to have and he's particularly mm. uh, conscious of it because when he started out he kept thinking that he smelled different than like the guys using fucking hugo boss or whatever <laughs> you know like uh maybe i didn't think of that that's interesting that's my 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 thinking because it's part of like also the way that he spends money that is not spending money on things that he'll enjoy it's spending money on things that other people will see like yeah as in cars house or whatever he doesn't have like a hobby you know like a lot of rich people will have a hobby like oh, I'll fly planes or have mm-hmm. like a an amazing computer system or have a big but besides like the size of the house uh, having the chauffeur or whatever their life are fairly simple it's a people just accruing wealth and not being able to know how to spend it so you have to put a big chunk of sirloin meat into fucking noodles (laughs) it's such a metaphor as funny as you said that there sorry it just made me think of um 
<laughs> you know in the remake of um the italian job yeah where like ed norton um when they like finally find him and he's got the house and he's bought all the things but he bought everything that everyone else wanted and because he has no imagination so yeah <laughs> i don't know why that made me think of that but i love that that the very end then whenever they like they capture him and so it's like you were right. right no imagination they're very passive as people everything that those characters actually imbued are based on other people so it's like mm. it's a birthday party for another person it's a camping trip for this this happened because of this kid like they actually don't seem to have any dreams and aspirations after they complete like like um like the main character he wants to be rich and it's the people that achieved that but that was the dream what do you do when you reach mm. your dream let's say you've made it now <laughs> now what and i think that in a way it's also like a a, a metaphor for filmmaking that now mm. that you have the platform what do you do and you see a lot of filmmakers that go come out of the gate really strongly because everything on that first movie is it's like your first novel yeah it's like everything is riding on it so your entire passion your entire being is linked to that and then you somehow become a filmmaker then you, society sees you as a filmmaker and then you don't have that fight in you anymore the rest mm. that you do is just to maintain the status quo of being called a filmmaker etc so i think that the, the, there is a, a a certain obviously a metaphor in many <laughs> different ways mm. uh but I think that most importantly for this movie is that it is memorable in so many different ways, both musically, the oh, lines the of dialogue, but I think visually, I, I, I've had nightmares on that shot mm -hmm. whenever the guy that is living in the basement starts mm -hmm. walking up and the, the kid sees him. <sighs> uh, and that whole subplot in the basement reminds have you ever seen the movie the Wes Craven movie, The People Under the Stairs. No. In every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. Now, Wes Craven, creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street, takes you inside. This reminded me of that in a way. Like, uh, they create... Uh, passageways in the walls and stuff so they're able to walk around the house kind of reminded me of that but also reminded me of Psycho and so many other movies mm. I think that it becomes very Hitchcockian uh, as the movie progresses but I really liked also that that not only that that existed kind of you yeah, I know what I thought and I think you'll laugh at this Okay. What movie did you think about whenever she's knocking on the door in the middle of the night while it's raining, only for things to get out of hand? Zodiac? No. Uh, knock, knock. Oh, sorry. I literally thought of that movie when we started recording, and I was about to say it, and I was about to see Keanu Reeves, and then I forgot. <laughs> it's the house. That's the thing. It's the house. Oh but, my god! But also that it's when they knock in the middle of the rain and suddenly everything changes. And I was like, I can't believe that Eli Roth was here before. 
Yes? Oh, we're so sorry to bother you, sir, but my phone got wet and she left hers at her house. Oh, I'm sorry. But if you want, you can come in and use my phone. I have to say that I love Parasite but uh, it pales in comparison to Knock Knock <laughs> I, I think that Knock Knock uh, is a unique cinema experience and I think that uh, after uh, the success of Nights Off uh, Nights Off Knives Out Knives Out the yeah. Anna de Armas is probably trying to use all that money to bury Knock Knock <laughs> Regardless of the political uh, uh, the political implications in the movie, and also considering that any movie I've mentioned this before, I think perhaps in the Snowpiercer uh, episode that any movie that in the end the real villain was capitalism is a movie <laughs> that I like. You know, it gets a lot of the way there for me, yes. and this movie goes so above and beyond that. But even like as a metaphor, the the, the two uh, most persistent images is the them being somehow below the surface of society. And mm. also at the end that the only way to free yourself is to become rich. Mm-hmm. Like quite literally, the only way that he can free his father of his predicament is oh, to become so rich. Sad. At the end. And uh, oh, it's so good with the that oh. he's using the Morse code as well. <laughs> but yeah. uh, like that that dinner party thing. You know what movie reminded me of the the party scene, and mm. perhaps uh, I doubt that it is a direct reference to, but uh, it made me feel uh, the same way society deals with things. It reminded me of that scene in Phoenix when uh, Nina Voss meets the guys that survived the war, but they're like just the normal Germans. How some day with us away too soon, too soon, speak low. And I think that the, the, the birthday party, it's like they're not necessarily bad people. But the way that they are able to survive with this guilt of having all of this is by ignoring <laughs> what is happening outside the frame of their lives. Um, did you give any thought to, um, just as we were talking there, about, you know, why now? Why is this? Oh, that, that was the second question that you had. Mm. Yeah, I was trying to remember what was the second question. Um, I think that... Um, the death throes of capitalism has uh, had already started and uh, God knows what the, the actual system that will replace it will look like. But like in the context of history, I think that there's no way that the system can progress as it is going for um, as long as it wants to do. Because like, you know, capitalism just wants to become everything and consume everything and just like resources worldwide they're just being depleted regardless of global warming or whatever it's not mm. it's something we're, that we're just gonna run out of things yeah like you, you can't just make as many products that just have to be replaced every year that you're buying like a new iphone every year like the amount of fucking resources just going into that thing and never can be recycled or whatever you know like uh 
the world is finite. So I think that eventually it would collapse, but also has had a fairly long run for modern mm-hmm. times. Well, like considering the, the, the previous system, feudalism lasted for like 1700 years, perhaps not as long, but, you know, things mm. change in a faster in a faster way nowadays but it could it go does it- feel like that which is kind of a weird paradox of modern life of that it feels like everything's changing and yet nothing is changing or at least it felt like that until the fucking pandemic started but you could tell like the warning sign for something like this never mind the pandemic is the 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 first time that there'll be a big crisis another crash mm. let's say another bobo another anything is that the the foundations were no longer there to actually support the structure which it was there in 1989 and it was there in 2008 but mm. it's been slowly stripped away and also more weight has been put into on top of that foundation i don't know like i think that in time as you were saying uh, i think it's a, a moment in time that there's a lot more openness to accept a movie like this mm-hmm. and even if you disagree politically or what the movie is saying about how um how to deal with the current situation um i think that there's more of an openness to have that discussion after the movie not completely agree with it but also I think that the important thing with this movie in particular is that it doesn't paint either side either with broad strokes or that they are the, the issue with society. Mm-hmm. The, the issue, as I said, is capitalism as a system and both of them are equally taking part of that system and because they're from either, um, either scale, side of the scales, they're... Um, you're able to see how both sides actually make the system not work by mm. not respecting the system. The whole damn system is wrong. Yeah, so like uh, I think that again, it's uh, every other, like even something like uh, The Big Short, which is mm. another, let's say, anti-capitalist uh, satire. It just shits on the system and everybody that is part of it on the top, but it doesn't go to the lower classes, whatever, and then you go in the and especially as most cinema girls are middle class and you're able to see yourself in both the rich and the poor i think that is a movie that is able to bypass the idea of being a satire because it's also incredibly entertaining but you're able mm-hmm. to uh there was a, a, a an audience member in the Carmo de mayo uh show that said that this movie is a movie where you hate everybody but you sympathize with everybody that everybody is both good and bad mm-hmm. it is an incredibly serious movie that is very funny it is an incredibly funny movie that is very serious um they do have the best audience don't they uh, yeah that show the people who write in they're always perfect and then also the case that there's a lot of films that you can't really see uh their context culturally until you have hindsight mm. to be able to understand True. why it was the hit that it was similarly to something like easy rider when they came out you'd probably be going like oh just those dumb hippies but there were like a lot of other countercultural hippie movies with bigger budgets than mm. easy rider and perhaps better than easy rider 
but it's like why is this the movie that that made it the case why was it the beatles (laughs) well they had the best drummer that the beatles could have (laughs) but i wonder as well if it's you're talking about like feeling like things are changing very quickly and like the current climate of I feel like the fall and death of neoliberalism as well <laughs> in the last like five or ten years and not just the, the, the death of it but the the discovery en masse of its spectacular failings I think um, is quite interesting of like all all the like discourse after god I see discourse Ugh. after <laughs> Richard Fitzsimmons would be proud all the conversations post like 2015, 2016 of all the things that happened to people suddenly, like everybody suddenly becoming aware that everything was not okay and structurally <laughs> as a society that was completely to blame, um, which I find quite interesting. But again, you need you need time and distance from that. Like only now are we fully really understanding those things that happened like four, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, and also is the 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 way that the backlash uh, happened is the there's been a swing to the left and to the right. So yeah. the way that that gets solved, I don't fucking know because there is no middle anymore. And somebody that never understood centrists mm-hmm. is not a centrist. <laughs> and have never met a centrist that I enjoyed the company of. <laughs> I do think that they're necessary in society to be to bridge that gap mm-hmm. in a way that because unfortunately is the way that it, the world is the is. death of and, the middle class. <laughs> yes. Well, but at the end of the day is like if everybody could be the middle class, that's the way there should be. You have enough to like have hobbies and be able to do stuff but you don't Mm. go without it you have to think about where you put your money but you know you can go to like a cheap but nice holiday once a year or a mega holiday every two or three years you have things to strive for but you don't have to struggle yeah you know like, it's like that 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 scene in the the West Wing when it's like oh, a man should be proud of putting his kids through schools you know it should be hard because then it's like you get the right but you know like if only it was a little bit easier you know I work at the White House you have a minute to talk we'd uh, like to buy you a beer <laughs> Uh, so uh, before we move to your favorite things, or like, uh, I know that you kind of answered there, but why do you think that the movie was able to reach the zeitgeist? I think it's partially its accessibility as well. Like I think you can watch this without thinking about the idea that it's a satire. You know, I think you can watch this and just enjoy it for it being a great, for it being a riot, you know, for it being very entertaining. And I think, like, it kind of makes me think of something like Starship Troopers and how, obviously, this is a very different film Starship Troopers, but it's a film, like, and this, this film's message is much more at the forefront, but when Starship Troopers came out, it needed to have its thing buried in order to get people to watch it. Whereas I don't know if it's that we're becoming more... Because everything's so dark, it's it's no longer crazy to have a movie that's both entertaining and also, you know, having a kind of a commentary on how fucked up everything is. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's a weird one because, you know, 
why do we not, why are we not gravitating to escapism anymore? You know, are we not? Is this, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Cause it's, I've definitely find over the last while that of, of needing to just not look at my phone and like, like every time I look at the guardian feeling a like weight on my chest and it's just like, I can't, you know, but at the same time when I watched Parasite, and I think I watched it the same week that we watched *The Plot Against America*, or within quite close with the uh, HBO show, the adaptation of the um, the Philip Roth book. Um, yeah, it's it was funny because I found that that TV show very like unsettling, and this film is unsettling. But even watching it for the third time, still just I don't know. There's there's something about the way he makes films of you get so engrossed in like these strange little worlds that are different but also kind of the same as everything we see daily um yeah i just i love them and i'm so glad the, so what, whatever the reason i'm very glad that this film became so successful and a quick uh, last question before we move in uh if you had the dream choice to cast what would be your american uh, remake cast of this movie oh my god not mark ruffalo who's like but then again i don't know is it better if you cast like in the way of you know counter casting uh jimmy stewart as the yeah. cd lawyer is it better to like especially because like mark ruffalo is in like dark waters he's in spotlight he's this beacon you know even as a person he's like an, ad- an advocate he's an activist he's everything of like casting him as like the the rich dad or something you know like yeah oh, maybe that'd be kind of interesting so maybe rather than just trying like he to had to be younger it, though like uh yeah true more. they are quite young yeah mark is kind of old now um yeah because even in dark waters he's supposed to be playing he's playing obviously over however many decades he doesn't look that young at the start yeah. um <laughs> but uh oh, i don't know so maybe i i want if they're gonna do it they have to do it they have to take it to the next level you can't yeah. just you can't just remake it you have to have if you're going to make an american set version of this you have to change it in some way for what america is like you know, adapt it properly so maybe that would be the way to do it so yeah who would we cast as like the like nice nice people that cast as like because then they're kind of like every people as well you know it's like oh yeah that person you know can we get tom hanks who's the young version of tom hanks Tom Hanks. <laughs> Colin Hanks. <That's>... Colin Hanks. <laughs> yeah, that'd be... <laughs> that would be definitely the younger version of Tom Hanks. Did you know that Colin Hanks has a... Um... A brother called, like, a Garrett or something? I have no idea. But, uh, no, he has a company called Hanks Kerchiefs. <laughs> which are, like... <laughs> they're, like, kerchiefs. Like, as in, you know, that you put around your... You know, your neck your neck and stuff but that's what this company's called he's very funny on twitter i'd highly recommend him uh <laughs> i think that uh for my casting uh mm. i think for the the rich couple i haven't landed on the woman yet but i think mm-hmm. that interestingly because it is america like you were said so it has to have a different layer but also <coughs> considering uh th- the other movie that he's most famous for i thought that the the husband, the rich husband, should be played by Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Because I like that like crossover. 
yeah and also it's like connotations also give it an, another layer to the movie yeah um and i think the like the the family should be like white trash kind of like not white trash but you know what i mean so like uh for the but also i was thinking people that you would usually associate to like rituals so like for the older sister to like emma roberts oh that's good and uh, i like her a lot she's great and for the 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 father uh i was thinking like somebody that would look like quite like working class and stuff uh you could go the the way that it would look uh somebody that looks like Song but not Korean, which would be mm. Benicio Del Toro. It <laughs> does kind of look like him. Like, they're very disheveled, similar. both of them, all the time. Like, yeah. Uh, that was one of my favorite things about the movie, actually, was how they were able to clean themselves up. And yeah. how it's so subtle that it's, like, not just an appearance, but in, like, performance. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh... I think the yeah yeah the, that's where I'm starting. I didn't think about it until uh, I asked you. So mm. maybe mm. like threw it out there who who you cast. <laughs> but Mold so over. what's your favorite thing in the? I mean, Bong, the the direction. I I don't know. Like it's it's everything like visually this movie is stunning we didn't even have time to talk about that like the the mirroring of shots and the way they use the space and the blocking the rain the yeah the rain um the uh the but like the performances even of like i said there of the the switch between their like home selves their like basement selves and then how they're able to just like turn it for whenever the, the family comes like whenever she has to cook the noodles really quickly and everyone's like hiding under the table and she's just like oh here you go you know she's like i find that their switches are scary almost of how they're able to do it um and like you, you can't it's it's very hard to have a film like this without grade a performances across the board you know like one thing yeah. would let this down significantly um so I guess my favorite thing is everything. Uh, what's your favorite thing? <laughs> I think it's the production design because the mm. mo- both both apartment and the, the house were created for the movie. Yeah, they were all they're they're mostly sets, aren't they? Like yeah, they're all sets, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. Like uh, also the courage, I think so many movies that they go you know like oh this painter and they're talking about fictitious painter so like this painter is amazing and then you look at one of these fictitious paintings and it's clearly like Mm -hmm. the the cousin of the art director (laughs) or bad photoshop yeah always bad photoshop i've never seen good photoshop in in a movie ever like yeah yeah like i think that the 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 best of those moments in any movie is in the uh, secret life of walter mitty when it's like the what is the the picture uh, you oh, seen it's, it, him, yeah. it's him yeah it's him having lunch yeah. or whatever but the, it, in itself it's a really cool picture yeah like it's a really nice picture so i think it's one of the the few things that live up to it you know and also like consider that the entire movie is linked revolves around that picture it better live up to it oh, but in yeah. this case you know they keep going like oh uh, this house was built by this amazing architect etc 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 and it is really well designed as a as a house uh, 
like fucking Roman Mars should do an episode mm-hmm. just on <laughs> on the design of this movie. Uh, but also the the way that the the whole street because they built the entire street for the the Kim family where mm. they they live it's uh, very realistic as well and not it's you know so good. it's not poor people porn as well that I hate when it's like poverty mm. porn like yeah. the way the people that don't live in favelas in Brazil can't wait to go on tourism to go to Rio de Janeiro and walk into favelas it's mm. like why. Why are you bring like? Oh yeah, you just want to walk around. Yeah, because you get to leave afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, it's the catch twenty two that is the problem with the system because the people in the favelas will be like, oh yeah, but they give us money, like Mm -hmm. it's a like an extra industry, etc. And it's like, yeah, but you shouldn't be prostituting yourself for rich guys that fucking came in the cruise ship, the. Mm Well, like, I suppose that I never wanted to go on a cruise ship before, but now we're... What is well, I'm, the if world? this is the death of cruise ships, I'm okay with that, because fuck me, are they wasteful. Jesus, like, I watched a... There was a thing on... I can't remember what YouTube channel it was, but it was one of the, like, big newspapers or something. Had a thing on um, how much food is required on one of those every day. And they, like, talk to the chef and how you feed that many people every day and stuff, and, like, how much of it's wasted. And, oh, it's just, like... Ugh, like I watched a video recently as well of um, like Formula One teams. Yeah. And how much like insane the moving all the stuff around to all the different fucking races is and how much money it costs and how many planes they use and everything. I was like, oh, like <laughs> literally just so you can have this massive thing just go around a track. It's like, oh, yeah. And they were well, like, like, isn't this weird. amazing? Isn't this oh, amazing? It is like, amazing. No. I love Formula One. <laughs> And it's quite interesting the 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 the, the, the well like they are uh, aiming to be carbon neutral by uh, in like four years or something. So mm. like they've been doing quite a lot in the sense of like not to defend because it is like run by a very be- like mm-hmm. like just a few years ago it was run by like one guy who's incredibly dodgy and also looked like mm-hmm. the the woman the little small woman that used to design the costumes for the Incredibles. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of him and That's he's so like specific. tiny because his name is like Bernie Eccleston, the British guy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're getting sidetracked here. We that are. The, the house looks very much also like a Frank Lloyd Wright mm. property and I really like uh, his architecture, even though he's like a fucked up dude. But you know, like interesting. No. Well, like most people are if you... But, uh, most successful people are it seems yeah if you put looking well like he's not like <laughs> Fly Frank Lloyd Wright's gonna get cancelled yeah <laughs> heard it here first folks <laughs> well like he invented the open kitchen open plan kitchen so there his you go his legacy is safe <laughs> secured um, <laughs> so what's your least favourite thing uh, that not all movies are like this um, <laughs> I don't know um I don't think I, I don't know, I don't think I really have one. I'm trying to think of like, I suppose it's a bit like our movie last week where you, en- you, you're very entertained and then afterwards you're like, ugh, <laughs> I feel a bit gross because you see like so much of 
the society you live in within it and you know your own behavior and your own choices and you know like just by being a participant in our society you're contributing to the problem it's like oh i feel a bit ill <laughs> so maybe that but that's kind of the point really of films like this so is that a negative thing yeah yeah and yeah i don't know what's your least favorite thing well like uh at the moment i don't have any like uh, if i had recorded this two weeks ago i would have said the uh, the whole dodgy thing with the underage kissing and all yeah, that that's fair but at the same time when i look back on it now with distances that perhaps the reason that i i would say that is because of how uncomfortable it made me feel but also it maybe, is but the movie knows it it's yeah and then also so much of it is also the reason that he's doing it is not because just for the reason that he's a pedophile it's the dual the dual um, necessity to make himself more important than the guy that came before so when he comes back from the united states he can retain the job and mm -hmm. then he sees a way of marrying her that if he marries her is a way of like jumping the middle going from the bottom to the top and i think I, just thinking about that, that that's maybe why all the other jobs that they had fell through because they mm -hmm. always wanted the quick rich scheme yeah they didn't want actually they they're hard-working and talented but they don't want to have the responsibility to be in the middle they're quite happy where they are but they wish that they were at the very top mm. but at the same time what the mother said is like oh they're very nice but like oh yeah they're rich so they can afford it's to easy be nice. to be nice yeah i love that some great quotes in this yeah yeah. Also, moments of absolute comedy, like whenever um, his friend comes over at the start and the dad gets up and just wallops his head off a shelf and it's like, oh, <laughs> it's just there in the background. I laughed so hard the other day when I saw that. I the reckon that, that was a mistake. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's the thing is that he's sort of portrayed as a bit of a dope, you know, like the dad seems like the least like until you see him drive and you realize that he's as skilled at everyone else even whenever he's trying to do his rehearsal um for talking about the, t the housekeeper having uh tuberculosis and <laughs> but like and you know the son's like no 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 tone it down dad tone it down the one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is whenever he like takes the tissue out of the bin and is like <gasps> it's just his face is fucking burning I think the first movie that I saw him in is the Park Chung-wook movie um, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Oh. With, uh, oh, that's part of the, the Vengeance trilogy, yeah. Guy, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the part of the, his Vengeance trilogy that is like Lady Vengeance, Old Boy, and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Which has to be one of the coolest titles for a movie. It really is. <laughs> or, um, but yeah, like I, I really, really like him. Uh, he's great at Memories of a Murder. Like, uh, oh, it is. You want to see that now. Okay. And, uh, 
when you watch memories of a murder uh go out and uh go out of your way and watch the every frame of painting of uh mystery uh, memories of murder as well like he did one that is memories of murder and zodiac did he? Oh yeah. my god! I clearly just glazed over it because I hadn't seen the film. Yeah, I was actually I did rewatch his one on Snowpiercer, um, left and right, which is great. Um, I miss him, but I'm glad that you know he's taken the time to do his own projects. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm so glad you liked it. I would have been oh, very surprised if you didn't, though. <laughs> oh yeah, like I have to say that until like obviously the cinemas worldwide shut down, this has been mm. a particularly good year for cinema for me mm. i think that this is the first time in a long time that i've seen before march three movies that i'd give five stars oh wow what were the other two uh it was uh, little women oh yeah and um the personal history of david copperfield oh i really want to see that oh i wonder is that Amazon or something? I wonder, is that out yet? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Oh, I really want to see that. I, I'm so glad that, um, uh, that what's his name? Um, oh, I've forgotten the, the, Dev Patel. I'm so glad that he's finally been given something to like, you know, worthy of his talents. Because he was in fucking that awful Amazon Prime thing. Um, Modern Love. Yeah. Modern Love. So bad. Such a waste of him. Okay, okay. Well, I'm very, very, very glad that you liked it, and I'm glad that I was uh, given a chance to watch it again because <laughs> it's excellent. Uh, so, where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find it. Well, if we're still here in two weeks, do uh, not. They can fi- Jesus, this is like people who say safe home. And you're like, oh, Fate so uh, we, you can social distance yourself in. <laughs> Uh, every Monday, ele- not every Monday, every second Monday, 11 to 12 on Dublin Digital Radio. Uh, we're on the Dublin Digital Mix Cloud and on uh, fucking iTunes and all the other iPod, iPod fucking podcast providers. <laughs> Jesus, my brain is melted. Uh, recommendation game at gmail.com is our email. Direct game at direct game is on Twitter and the recommendation game on Facebook. Did I Yay. get everything? I think you did, yeah. Eventually. Um, next week's film is Ricardo's pick. What yes. Pick? I'm picking, since we have time in our hands since we're at <laughs> we home, <do. laughs> uh, like a, a fairly long movie, I'm picking Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Excellent. Maybe this is finally the time that we can do OJ Made in America. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then uh, What was the one that I was going to make? Uh, pick? Oh, something to do with Nazis. Oh, it was going to be fucking Shoah. There we go. <laughs> Jeez, I, mean, I, I could not watch Shoah right now. No. I think if I... Fair. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just I go was... out and start hugging people. Like, give it to me. Yeah, cool. Well, until then, uh, I was Orla Benitez. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. <laughs>